0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today is a day when we go up into the Salt and Light attic and bring down some of our favorite interviews. This week, Chris Dimitrenko tells us about his journey on the Camino and Leah Perot shares her new book, Theology of the Body for Everybody. We also meet singer-songwriters Josh Blakesley and Jackie Francois and listen to their music. Remember that you can listen to any of these interviews at any time by simply going to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music, Christian music like you've never heard before. I'm Deacon Pedro. Here now is my conversation with Chris Dimitrenko. The Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James, commonly known as just the Camino, is a pilgrimage route across northern Spain to the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in Galicia, in Spain. Tradition holds that this is where the remains of the Apostle James are buried. Now, The Camino has been there for over a thousand years, and hundreds of thousands of pilgrims have made their way to Compostela, including our very own Chris Dimitrenko, who is now back, and
1: sitting here with me, Chris, welcome back. Thanks, Pedro. It's it's really nice to be back. Actually, after yeah. being away for so long. Yes, I know. Mm-hmm. It
0: felt like you were away
1: for a long time. Mm-hmm.
0: How how does it feel to be
1: a, 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 a Camino alumnus? Well, it's uh, I, I'm definitely filled with with thankfulness um, because there are many things that can go wrong during the Camino yes. in terms of uh, people having. Um, health problems, people having problems with their feet, mm-hmm. um, and and also just so many people who simply are not in a position where they uh, are able to leave for, for six weeks right. to be able to do this, you know, if right. we have got, you know, small children at home or, yeah. or other responsibilities. So I'm just really grateful that I was able to do it. Yeah, good. Now, so
0: I said Northern Spain, but I know that there are different, there are a few different routes and yeah. you started you started in france didn't you
1: i did yeah i did the uh it's called the camino francaise and it's the most popular route um, and it starts traditionally in saint jean pied de port uh-huh. uh, which is near the border of spain um, uh, just on the edge of the the pyrenees oh, yes. but there's people who can start at all sorts of different places um, you could start in lourdes you can start uh, in really? Paris, okay. I, I met people who started in Germany. Right. Um, and there's also other routes, uh, less popular routes. Um, there's called the, the Camino del Norte, which which goes basically, uh, hugs the coast, the northern coast of Spain. And there's also a route that goes from Portugal. Uh, oh, so from, oh. yeah, so from oh, southern from Portugal so that, yeah. up, up towards uh, Santiago. So many different ways of doing it, although the, although the Camino Francaise being the most popular one it means that uh there's the greatest number of what they call albergues so pilgrim hostels yes they're located on the route a lot more pilgrims who are who are traveling We're there traveling so it's there. it's not quite so uh quite so lonely I'm not so lonely mm-hmm. so
0: so this camino i guess the camino francais mm-hmm. it ta- that's the one that takes a month
1: yes well it took me 30 days it can take people uh, more or less depending on on how much they walk uh-huh. but uh but yeah usually they recommend you know 30 32 33 days for that particular route starting in saint jean Port.
0: now you mentioned these albergues mm-hmm. um so these hostels yeah. Yeah. this route it seems to be fairly fairly well organized in terms of um, w- did you have a guide or something to to help you pace yourself so that you you could do it in 30 days how does that work
1: yeah, um, there are a lot of good guidebooks out there. I've, I use a, a guidebook by um, a John Briarley, Um But a lot of them will, will recommend the same stopping points because there's particular towns that are maybe really interesting okay. or they, um, they're larger towns, so they'll have a number of different, different hostels to, mm-hmm. to choose from. Some of the villages that you pass through every day are just really, really tiny, so there's maybe not much there and, and so not necessarily a very good place to stop.
0: Right now, the people you mentioned—you met people that started in Germany. So I guess yeah. you met people from all over the world. Oh, definitely. For different reasons.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, quite a few people from Canada that oh, yeah. that I met, uh, the United States, um, Korea, uh, mostly in Europe. And it seems that in Europe, that that everybody knows what the Camino is. Certainly in Spain, everybody knows the Camino. Uh, but more broadly, in, in Europe, it's quite popular. And it seems like it's only now becoming more and more popular in North America. There was a recent film uh, yes. um, starring Martin Sheen that also helped popularize it. Everybody on the Camino seemed to have, have watched, watched that. Film, yeah. Exactly, and was comparing their own experiences to the film. But uh, it's it's there's really been a surge of popularity since uh, the 1980s. The numbers had really mm-hmm. uh, dwindled, but... Um, uh, partly due to uh, John Paul II's visit to Santiago de Compostela, mm. the numbers have been increasing year after year since then, and so now it's reaching a new peak. Although I understand that the numbers are actually less now than they were in medieval times, so I mean this—I this, yeah. uh, don't know the exact date—but this pilgrimage um, basically dates back to to when they believe they discovered the the, uh, remains. the remains of mm-hmm. of Saint James. And uh, so it's been going on for many, many hundreds of years.
0: Now, it's obviously a Catholic pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. It's leading to a Catholic shrine. St. James was one of the apostles. Yeah, But it's not only Catholics who are walking the Camino, not only Christians.
1: No, and I think that probably the majority of pilgrims uh, that I did meet would not um, consider themselves particularly religious. And so that that changes the Camino in in a few ways. one uh, a lot of the pilgrims aren't necessarily interested in you know finding a daily mass at the end of the uh-huh, night, uh-huh. Um, or or really you know praying their way through the Camino. Although certainly I would say most of them will will attend some of the masses and absolutely once you finish the Camino, everybody goes to, to the, the cathedral yeah. uh, to the the mass at the cathedral ends at the cathedral and yeah. and while you stop at the remains of of Saint James, um, it's I think that it's it's a good thing that that it remains open to everybody regardless of background and even if they're they're not particularly religious there is something that that is i would say almost inherently spiritual um about the camino uh people see providence in in everything they 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 feel a sense that they're being guided along even if they don't necessarily right know uh know by whom or or why, or why and just the fact that you are walking um you know for me in in the route that I did you know i'd say probably on average between um you know 25 to 30 kilometers a day um and particularly if you're walking a lot of that alone it's it's really going to lead to to a lot of reflection you know particularly when you're surrounded by uh by the beauty of the spanish countryside yeah. and also all the the religious imagery that you you see along the way i think that uh, it would be hard not to think about the big questions to have yeah Mm -hmm. to make it a religious experience yeah
0: why why
1: why did you want to do this well i think for me it was a question of wanting to uh to to trust god more and also to have that that time with god and really there was an abundance of of time with god i would probably spend more than half of my time walking alone and i treasured those mornings where i'd wake up i'd pray i'd pray lauds in the morning Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and I typically venture out, I tried to venture out before, uh, before sunrise. So when it was a little bit dark and I just love those mornings where, you know, it was just, you know, me, um, you know, alone walking, I, I could pray, I would pray the rosary. I would just talk to God and, and you'd see the sun rising and you'd see sort of the light playing with, uh, these, these very, you know, beautiful rolling hills over the, over the countryside. Yes. And, uh, and just to be able to take that time, whereas in ordinary life, um, you know, I would try to maybe squeeze in prayer here and there when I could, whereas on the Camino prayer became the structure of my life and particularly um, uh you know, praying lots and also, you know, wherever there was a significantly large village mm-hmm. uh, having mass at the end of the day. And thankfully I was yeah. even traveling a lot of the time with the priest. So even oh, where, good. where there wasn't mass being provided in the church, we could, could have, we could have mass ourselves. Yeah.
0: What, what did you find the hardest? What was the hardest thing for you?
1: Um, the hardest thing for me, I think um, um, really disconnecting from, from, uh, from ordinary life and, and not trying to take your your worries with you but yet at the same time really entering into to the pilgrimage experience that's a challenge for a lot of people not so much for myself it's the physical component Uh so there were some people in terrible pain pedro i mean i remember seeing uh you know young women uh you know, crying as they were walking because they were feet, their feet were in such pain. Right. Um, it can be, you know, um, you know, pulled muscles. It can be um, the swelling of the feet because mm-hmm. you're, after walking day after day, your, your feet tend to kind of swell. And so some people, they, their feet don't really fit into their shoes anymore. Yeah. That causes wow. great pain. And then a lot of people have terrible blisters, so yes. blisters upon blisters. You'll see their feet entirely wrapped up, taped up, as they're going out in the morning. So, wow. uh, for many people, it can be physically a really agonizing yeah. experience. Wow. So, so what has changed for you? Yeah. Is it too soon to ask? I think it's too soon to tell. I mean, I, I, I certainly feel you know a certain serenity coming back, and you know, willingness to really you know dive into my my projects here at Salt and Light, and and maybe you know, worry less about the day-to-day problems. Uh, I think maybe they get put into context when you get to step away from from life for a while. I think that was what it was for me is is if you want to take a little bit of a break, so, uh, you know, not necessarily a a sabbatical, but um, you want to go away for a month, well, what are you going to do and what are you going to do to fill that time with something purposeful? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, the Camino de Santiago is is really a, a beautiful way to do that. And I should add, that it's actually really quite affordable. I'm not sure that you, you know, if, if cost is an issue, well, you know, apart from the flight to get there, um, day to day, um, there's very minimal costs. These pilgrim hostels that are, you're staying in are between, you know, like five and 10 euros a night. Uh So, you know, much, much less than anywhere else if you were going to vacation and, and, you know, typically you'll, you'll make your own food, uh, in the pilgrim hostels and, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it's quite affordable and accessible for most people, I think.
0: Well, that's good. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for sharing, uh, sharing your experience. I, I, this is one of the things that I'd like to do one day, maybe with my two sons. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: We we a lot of, uh, you know, father-daughter, yeah. you know, mother, mother-son yeah. combinations. Yeah.
0: Well, good, good. Thank you very much. Inspiring. Thank you. Kristen Matrenko. he's a producer at Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. He's our news expert here at Salt and Light on the Salt and Light Hour. And he's also now a Camino alumnus. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Jackie Francois with Your Love is Better. Jackie Francois with Your Love Is Better from her new album, Divine Comedy. Jackie Francois is a singer, songwriter, speaker, worship leader, and youth minister. She became an artist with SpiritAndSong.com and in 2008 released her debut album titled Your Kingdom Is Glorious. She has been involved in youth ministry since she graduated high school and she now travels the globe speaking to young people about God's love and leading worship for various events and ministries. And Jackie now has a second album, Divine Comedy, which is why she joins me now on the Salt and Light Hour. Jackie, welcome. What a pleasure to have you on the program.
2: Thank you. It's good to be on here.
0: I, I've been hearing about you for about a year now. Different people saying, oh, have you, have you interviewed Jackie Francois? Have you heard Jackie? And I was like, who is this woman? So this is good. <laughs> this is good that we, we're finally uh, uh, connecting now, I, I, have, I have to be honest with you because, so you have the new album Divine Comedy and everybody talks about how funny you are and, and how this album is and I've listened to the album several times and I'm not getting the comedy in the album so am I missing something or are people talking about something else? Because the songs aren't yeah, no, particularly the album funny. The
3: itself is not supposed to be funny but, but yeah, I, when I give talks I use a lot of um, okay. humor and, and I'm a big goofball so that's I don't think they're talking about the album.
0: (laughs) Okay, because I'm listening to these songs and they're great songs and some of them are really meaningful and deep and and prayerful and I'm trying to look for the comedy (laughs) and I I wasn't getting it.
3: Someone thought it was a comedy album and I was like, no, it's it's called Divine Comedy because it's based off of Dante's Divine Comedy. Um, Right. (laughs) And and the title track, like the first track of the album is called Divine Comedy. Um, So basically I wrote it because Someone once said, I was listening to a talk, and they said, in all Shakespearean literature, all the dramas end up with people dying, like all the tragedies end with people dying. But right. in the comedies, it always, they always end with a wedding. And he said, this life is a divine comedy because in the end, we all get married to Jesus, the bridegroom in heaven. And I thought that was so beautiful. So I wrote so a song true. called Divine Comedy, really talking about the ups and downs of life. But really, we're all called to this um, style union with with christ as as the church the bride you know married to jesus Christ. yeah
0: bride. so true i i love that that idea because it even in scripture it ends with a wedding i mean that's the ending the the mm-hmm. marriage of the, the yeah the the um the lamb the bride and the lamb um can we back up have you always been yes. like did you grow up in a musical household how was your upbringing how was the francois is that your maiden name i don't know is that, yes yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how was well the... we
3: are all very musical i have two older sisters and. Ever since I was five years old, we were musical. musicals. In fact, the first musical I was in at five was sound of music and um, my parents are both very musical. They both sing. My dad taught himself guitar and piano
2: and uh-huh.
3: I took you know, when I was in school in fifth grade I, I started the violin and oh yeah. And then taught myself piano and guitar. So we are a very musical household and I always say it's kind of obnoxious because even during the birthday song we sing in three part harmony. So
0: <laughs> Yeah, that is obnoxious. But so <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were... <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so then very musical. Music is not something that came after. How about faith? Was it was it a Catholic family? Was it a Catholic upbringing?
3: My mom is Catholic and my dad is not. So we kind of just, it's very lukewarm growing up and just kind of um, went to church on Sundays and kind of went through the motions. And when I was 18, well, thankfully, I had a great youth ministry when I was in high school. So I feel like that was really the first time I experienced the Holy Spirit um, in my life. And even throughout um, the week, you know, not just on Sundays as a Catholic, but throughout the week I was experiencing God and even even making that my prayer. But really it really was when I was 18 that I went to a, a Steubenville Youth Conference and right. had a, a conversion that really propelled me to start going to daily Mass and really start studying my faith and ask the question, why am I Catholic? Because I knew a lot of the what's. And granted, I didn't even know a lot of the what's, but mm-hmm. I wanted to know why and a lot of the tough you know, questions that people would ask me in, in high school, or even being in college, I wanted to study my faith and and be knowledgeable about it.
0: Right. So you did have a little bit of a conversion experience, if if I can use yes. that word. I guess we all yes. do. What was that? You were involved with Life Teen growing up. Was that that youth group you were talking about?
3: Yeah, Life Teen started when I was a, a freshman in high school, and okay. that really, um, I think, made really me piqued my interest in in going to church. And even the kind of music that was that was at you know the, the mass the, mm-hmm. the youth mass um, was really engaging and I learned a lot about my state and actually that's in college that's how I became a spirit and song artist was I became a Life team core member and would go to the trainings in Arizona which is right. where I, was, I met Tom Booth and that Mar of course and they really kind of started mentoring me and it was it was Tom Booth who really introduced me to spirit and song
0: yeah yeah yeah. It was it was Tom Booth, one of the people who actually said to me, "Have you heard Jackie Francois?" Um oh. <laughs> Now you you say I've I've read on your website or somewhere that you say yeah. that your maybe your message is that that you want people to know what it means to truly love and to be loved by our God. You also say that your message is a me- message of faith that means to be someone. You want to be someone who reminds people of heaven in the busyness yeah. of everyday life through humor, yes. prayerfulness, and song. Why why are those, I don't want to pinpoint, and pinhole you and say that that's the only things you talk about, but why would you say mm-hmm. that that is kind of the, the focus of your message?
3: I feel like God has really called me, you know, everyone has different vocations and different types of ministries. I feel like God is really calling me to speak to the lukewarm Catholic.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: because I was lukewarm growing up, and I fell in love with God when I was 18 and really became passionate for him, and so I want especially young people um to know really that lukewarm is is not an option. Like he God would rather be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Yes. And and to also show that the beauty of being passionately in love with God, that our faith is not just about a bunch of rules and principles, but it's about a relationship um with Jesus and that when we're in that relationship, he just gives us so much peace and so much joy. And it's going to be tough. You know, we're going to be persecuted and uh, mocked and made fun of, mm-hmm. but it's, it's worth it. You know, heaven, heaven is worth it, um, running the race and, and persevering in this life.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, you're busy. I know that you were just in Miami for the JP2 International Film Festival. On November 13th, you're going to be in Atlanta, Georgia. November 15th, mm-hmm. San Diego, California. November 16th, El Paso, Texas. And then November 28th, yeah. you're back in Florida for NCCYM. You're busy. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, this is your life?
3: Yes. Um, five years ago, I, I was a youth minister, and when Spirit and Song signed me to be an artist, um, I, I was really praying about it and felt like God was calling me to be a full-time traveling speaker and worship leader. And it's really, gr- I said, Lord, if this is what you are calling me to, I know you will provide opportunities to serve. And sure enough, it just, every year just kept multiplying. And so the last couple of years, it's it's literally been every single week I've been on a plane, and sometimes like this past week I've been in an airport five times. So
2: wow. Um
3: it's a lot of traveling, and that's probably the most difficult part about this ministry is that it's it's exhausting. Yeah. Um. But it, you know, it, God, ref- like the good thing is like when I come home, I feel like I really get to a lot be refreshed,
2: mm-hmm. you know. And
3: I and I try to go to daily mass even when I'm on the road, of course, and especially to make a holy hour and. It's so, you know, I just need it so much because when you're when you're giving so much in ministry, you need to be um, received first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think St.
3: Bernard of Clairvaux talked about like being a reservoir. He says, you know, in ministry, we need to be like reservoirs where we are filled up first and everything we give is an overflow of yeah. what we've received.
0: So good. So true. Now, um, mm-hmm. this album just came out. Are you, are you already working on the next one? What are your plans for the year of faith? Anything new coming up?
3: Well, I've been thinking I have like four album ideas oh, <laughs> for the future. And um but nothing is is concretely in the works. But I would really love to do like a sacred hymns album just because I've written a few hymns and I also love old hymns. Like Be Thou My Vision is one of my favorite older hymns uh-huh. and um I would really like to do a an album an album of hymns, maybe done in a contemporary style, um, yeah. especially like for these youth who don't would, know a lot of hymns.
0: Yes. Um, very true. That it
3: would be an album for them that they would love to, you know, hear and listen to.
0: Yeah. That would be good. I, I, I would, I would buy that one because it's so <laughs> true. I mean, I, I learned a lot of the hymns as an adult and I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Oh, well, you kind of vaguely remember them from when you were little and, and, and how badly people did them. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that would be good um jackie that's all the time we have but it's been really good meeting you um listening to your music i i hope that our listeners are just as excited as i am and uh that they can continue to follow you and maybe even meet you in in your travels
3: thank you it's nice meeting you as well
0: jackie francois is our featured artist of the week her new album divine comedy can be found at spiritandsong.com you can also find out more about Jackie and all those tour days that we talked about. If you want to find out if she's coming near you, check her at her website, JackieFrancois.com. That's Francois, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S. But we're going to put that link at SultanLightTV.org radio so you can find it easily. JackieFrancois.com. You can also look her up on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. And here now is Jackie with the title track of her album, Divine Comedy.
4: Search for my whole life, but I never found your eyes. Looking for love among the lies won't do. So I kept on waiting, heartbroken in defeat, until you came and romance me. Better love than anything under the sun
0: Listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour, I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org/radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part Two. I'm Deacon Pedro. In the early 1980s, Pope John Paul II offered a series of reflections at his Wednesday general audiences, which has come to be known as the Theology of the Body. It is a wealth of wisdom about the human person, relationships, marriage, and sexuality. Theology of the Body for Everybody, Theology of the Body for Everybody is a new book that is rooted in these reflections and presupposes that each one of us is called to be a disciple at every stage of our lives, and that our bodies are essential to responding to God's call throughout our lives. Author Leah Perot joins us now on the phone from Saskatoon. Leah, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour.
5: Thanks for having me, Pedro.
0: So, Leah. Don't we already have enough Theology of the Body books? Why write another book?
5: Well, I mean, first of all, if there's enough, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I came across Pope John Paul's uh, writings while I was in university, and I found the writings themselves before the other books about the writings. And uh, as I did more research and more reading and more writing, it occurred to me that the way I was reading Theology of the Body was quite different than the way other people who've been interpreting the work has been. And not, certainly not in conflict with other people, but just a different sort of take. It occurred to me that, uh, while lots of people talk about marriage and sexuality and Theology of the Body, none of us arrive on the planet married.
2: Right. And so
5: we don't start living the meaning of our body when we get married and find ourselves in, sexual relationships with spouses, we start living the meaning of the body from the very moment that we exist, from conception and birth and on through childhood and youth and young adulthood. And so it seemed to me that there was more to say about what John Paul was saying about what it means to be human than just talking about what it means to be human when you're married.
0: Okay. So it, it, it's more your, your, I don't want to say it's your approach because it sounds to me that it's John Paul... John Paul's approach is just that you've extracted these these things that other people have not extracted in terms yeah, of
5: yeah it's 600 pages long of the pope's writing there's yeah. a lot of ink to be spilled and words to be spoken about what John Paul was trying to say
0: so so these are the the kind of extract your extractions have to do with kind of well-being of the to, for the entire body it's more of a holistic yeah body and i thing. focus
5: uh, especially on the first half of theology of the body where John Paul lays out uh what it means to be human as he reflects on Genesis. The second half of his work deals with how do we apply that in the sacrament of marriage. And so I spend more time with that first half, looking at what is John Paul saying about our beginnings. Um, I spend more time asking questions about um, how we would apply that beyond marriage. And I look not only to the theology of the body itself, but to his other writing, to his encyclicals on justice and on family and on uh, education, um, and his letters there, to to try and draw out how John Paul was applying his own anthropology, his way of thinking about humans um, beyond theology of the body.
0: But you, well, John Paul and you both say that the body has a spousal meaning. So, the, the are we is this whole body thing pointing into that? To, to that, in terms of the spousal meaning of the body, or uh,
5: this, John Paul takes that because he, because Jesus in Matthew 19 says uh, to the Pharisees who ask why Moses let them get divorced, and Jesus says they shouldn't do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, Jesus says, well, from the beginning it was not so, and John Paul goes back there to say, well, then there's something about the beginning that matters for all of us, and John Paul locates the meaning of the body in the way that Adam and Eve recognize themselves in each other and God in each other.
2: Mm -hmm. And
5: so John Paul says that marriage is the primordial first sacrament Uh in as much as it is the first time in human history that we recognize God present in the other. So it's not the first sacrament in history. In fact, it wasn't until the 12th century that marriage was declared a sacrament in the Catholic Church. Yeah, What John Paul is saying is that the experience of of human love is the first sign in our own experience of what we were created for, for self-giving love. Of course, the most profound, spousal gift that has ever been given by any person in history was Jesus's dying on the cross. And it's somewhat confusing, I think, for people that we use marital language for that, because, of course, Jesus wasn't married. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a fulfillment of this this way of understanding what it means to be human, that we pour ourselves out, as Jesus did, even unto death, death on a cross. And it's in doing that, in emptying ourselves, in pouring ourselves out for the sake of other people, that we find the meaning of our humanity, the meaning of our bodies. Mm
2: -hmm. So John
5: Paul gives it that word, spousal, because the first time we see it is when Adam says to Eve, this at last is bone of my bone." and flesh of
0: my flesh. Is it fair to say that that spousal meaning, it could also be called that total giving that everyone is called to, whether you're married or not?
3: Absolutely, so, it is.
0: So that totality of marriage is a totality that we can also find in other relationships, and Absolutely. also with ourselves and with God.
5: And, and most of us, I mean, unless you do find yourself on the planet married right from the beginning, <laughs> the first time we do that, you know, is often in the first days of our lives, right? The first the first smiles we offer to our parents when we realize that that in offering a smile, we bring joy to other people. Those first gifts of self are not marital gifts. They're right. the interactions between infants and their parents.
0: Right. You mentioned that, that marriage is the primordial sacrament. You have a chapter in the book that talks about the body as sacrament. How so?
5: Well, when, when John Paul suggests that each and every person is created in the image and likeness of God as, you know, based on Genesis. Um, he's saying that in our very flesh we are signs of this mystery of, of being called to pour ourselves out like Jesus does. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus comes in the Incarnation, he invites us as daughters and sons of God, adopted daughters and sons, to follow him in this kind of self-giving. And so um, the idea is that our, our very bodies become visible signs of the divine present in the world, which is what Genesis means when it says we're created in the image and likeness of God. Right. So it's kind of a scary idea, the idea that every moment we live in the bodies is an opportunity for us to express, to make visible what is invisible, God in the world.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, many
5: saints have touched on this when when they say things like, God has no hands and feet but yours. Right. Right? Now, we're not sacraments in the way that the seven are sacraments. Mm -hmm. Those are capital S sacraments, and our bodies are small s sacraments. We have an opportunity in a similar way, but not the same way, uh, that reconciliation offers God's forgiveness. That when we're out in the the world, when we're driving around and somebody cuts us off, we have an opportunity to get angry and frustrated or to be a sacrament Mm
2: -hmm.
5: and to imagine that the person that's driving and just cut us off, needs our compassion and our forgiveness, that instead of waving a a certain finger at them, we might wave a little hello and and mouth it's okay, have a good day. Um, You know, those are the moments that we have a chance to communicate a little bit of God's grace and God's forgiveness and God's mercy to the world that we live in
0: it sounds it's it sounds fascinating maybe for some people a little complicated, but I encourage people to get the book because for so long people take the theology of the body as 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 a manual on sexual ethics, and it's not that so maybe just in closing, Leah, who is this book for? I know it's for everybody, but how do you hope people are gonna use the book?
5: yeah, well, I mean I've had really really varied interest in the book and in the speaking that I do on the book, and uh there seem to be a few key crowds. One is folks who've already been interested in theology of the body, but who have kind of exhausted all the studies and materials that are out there and are saying, how do I take this to the next step? You know, um, for those folks, my book offers an opportunity to apply what they've maybe already learned for their own marriage and sex uh, understanding of Catholic sexual ethics, um, and, and to take this book to an, a new place. But the book has also been finding an, an audience among people who've maybe been skeptical about the, the theology of the body, either mm-hmm. because they're not sure about the Church's teaching, or they've had run-ins with people who talk about theology of the body, and it sounds like something they're not interested in. And uh, my book uh, really does, as you said at the beginning of the interview, focus on what does it mean to be a disciple who lives faith in and through our bodies.
3: Right. Um,
5: and so it's, it's maybe a more approachable spot for people who who haven't really had a chance to enter in.
0: Yeah, no, so good. So I encourage people to go look it up. Uh, Thank you, Leah. Uh, Thank you for sharing your insights and helping us understand JP2's insights a little better as well.
5: Thank you so much, Pedro.
0: Leah Perot is the Director of the Pastoral Services of the Diocese of Saskatoon. You can usually find her in church basements, classrooms, and retreat houses speaking about faith life and sexuality. She is the co-author of How Far Can We Go? and also the author of the new book, Theology of the Body for Everybody, published by Novalis. You can learn more about Leah and her ministry, Tobias and Sarah Ministries, at TobiasAndSarahMinistries.com. Here now is our featured artist, Josh Blakesley with his song, At The Name. from his album, You Are the Light. Like many Christian artists, Josh Blakesley's career began in high school. Josh was involved in a peer ministry team that showed him that the power of God can transform teens into lovers of Christ. And since then, he's been sold on Christ and has been using his music to glorify God. He has three albums, Immersed, Waiting, and Free, and his latest album, You Are the Light, has just been released, And to tell us all about it, I am joined now by Josh on the phone from his home in Louisiana. Welcome to the program, Josh.
6: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So I I, I kind of, for a lot of our listeners, they might be meeting you for the first time. So I kind of like to go back in time. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience with peer ministry in high school? What was that about? And what was it that really sort of, I guess, was transformational for you?
6: Yeah, well, you know, I was playing music. Um I I started pretty early playing music and um even young, I got in trouble a few times for beating on my desk at school and so my parents finally said, "Maybe if we give him drum lessons, he'll quit beating my, <laughs> yes. on his desk at school." Good. So I did that and and um as I got um as I got more involved in music, I kind of started to into a band and then and then we started playing in places we probably shouldn't have been playing in early on and mm. Um, I, you know, I just, I, I had some kind of moment where I was just, you know, this, I was just saying to myself, this, there's gotta be more to it than this. If, you know, God has given us such as a beautiful gift of music, you know, and, and, and what, and the power of music and what it does and, you know, and just seeing the same things from week to week and just knowing that there had to be more to it.
0: So um, you were, this was while you were still in high school?
6: Yeah, I was about 14 wow. at the time and, um, and I kind of had some experiences with some different people who invited me to to church and to youth group and and um we all have to, I think every Christian has that person in his life who yeah. invites him in you know yeah. and so um so that happened for me um about fifteen years old i guess and um, and i started i started spending more time at church with those people and and trying to figure out how I could use the gifts that God had given me to give back to him.
0: Right. So So were you always were you brought up Catholic? Were you always faithful or were you I something? was always
6: Catholic um but I think like a lot of families we we just went through the motions we yeah. uh we went every Sunday to mass um and and really that was just a precursor to to lunch you know <laughs> like it was right. just something we had to do on Sundays before we went and had a big lunch at grandma's right. house you know yeah um and so we I you know it's uh, I look back on those times as you know they're great great memories but in terms of faithfulness you know and where my heart was with God like I think I was just uninterested until I really had that light bulb moment where I chose it and, and took it on for myself.
0: And that was when you were fifteen, sixteen, through this. That's right. That's yeah, right. that's you're very lucky. I had a very similar experience when I was twelve, actually. So, um, yeah, again, you kind of go through the motions, but then something happens that you're like, "Wow!" Um,
6: what it is, and it's interesting, you know, like the year of faith that that the church yeah. has set into motion, like it's it's such a calling to that, you know, to that personal relationship with him and really finding that within our, and not just going through the motions, not just going yeah. um, and sitting in a pew and then leaving and having that be a precursor to something else, but to really take it on and take ownership of our faith, our our faith yeah. journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what the new evangelization is all about, too. Um, yeah. Did you Did you, I mean, you told me that you were kind of, doing music, and music. did you think that you wanted to grow up and be a musician? Did you even think at, at any time that you could have a career as a music minister or as a <laughs> Christian artist?
6: Um, no, well, you know, early on, I, I, I didn't have any aspirations for that. I wanted to be... Um you know, very early on playing in nightclubs and different things like that. I, I always imagined myself moving to Los Angeles or New York and really? and pursuing music some kind of way. Um, but, but it wasn't until, I guess, I was probably in college, 19 or 20 years old, when I was really trying to put some direction into my life and, you know, like, like every 19 or 20 year old, just trying to figure out what it is that you're going to spend the rest of your life doing, you know, or 30 year Um,
2: old. Yeah, right. right.
6: (laughs) Um, And so I, I, I just, um, at some point just decided this, this is my love. It's what God has called me to. And I want to, I want to pursue it. Um, I got married when I was 23 years old
0: and, Mm. uh,
6: my wife was 21. We were young and um we just prayed and discerned and finally put our heads down and went you know this is what god's calling us to why don't we just why don't we just give just take a leap of faith and um and we did and um god has been so faithful to that you know like it's never been uh, it's never been about chasing fame or or money or any of that but just about spreading the gospel message um through the gift of song and so that's what we try to do, and um, we take every opportunity, of course, to do that um, around the country and wherever
0: God you, sends us. Did you study music in college, or did you study something else?
6: I didn't. I was I, I majored in social science. I'm a social oh, scientist. I tell people that. Uh, yeah, I have a a white lab coat, and um, sometimes a. <laughs> And go and study people. No, and study I don't
0: people. It. You sit in, at, at train stations and watch people. That's right. That's right. And then go home and write songs about them. <laughs> that's,
6: that's a little creepy, that's right. <laughs> that's a little
0: too creepy. So so you're you're a music minister in, in your parish, that's that's employment, right? That's right. And that's but you right. also go to conferences. I mean I know you do World Youth Dance, Steubenville and N C Y C and all that other stuff. That's um, right. That's right. As ministry, full time ministry.
6: Yeah, that's right. We're, um, our, our parish here, um, I'm part-time, and, and uh, I do the Sunday Mass, and then we have school Masses. There's a school attached. Oh, yeah, and, um, We do that. But, um, but yeah, our, our, our main um, vocation, our main source, our main ministry is, um, is mostly on weekends and, and going out around the country doing conferences and rallies and
0: concerts.
6: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah just all all over
0: tell me a bit bit about your band because it's kind of deceiving you see josh Blakesley, but then you go to your website and it's the band right Um, yeah so who are these guys
6: um they they are they're just golden golden guys that um that hold me um accountable to a life of christianity and they're guys who uh, are wonderful musicians they're amazing musicians Mm -hmm. um but more importantly, um, I know that when we get in a van and we go from place to place or when we're in a bus or a hotel room or whatever that, that we are, that, that we are all called to a life of, of faith and, um, and we're called to holiness. And so we, you know, we just, we stand for one another and, and keep each other to a, um, to a standard. You know, we try to, um, to live a, a holy life. Uh, Gray McCullough, um, Christian Godet, Blake Powell,
2: mm-hmm.
6: um, guitar, bass, and drums, respectively, yeah. um, and and we travel and and it's like it's like my family away from my family, really, nice. um, just trying to be prayerful and yeah, and um, as we play the songs, lead people into worship.
0: Right. Let's talk a bit about this new album. You are the light. I love the title because, of course, we are salt and light. Um, you said that it's a response to the Holy Father's call. To search for the true, the good, and the beautiful. How so?
6: When when I was when I was writing that song, um, I, I was actually I was at a, a Catholic camp, um, Coecrest in Tiger, Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. in the North Georgia Mountains, and and I was staring out at um, the most beautiful scene. I mean, it's the mountaintops. You know, it's summertime, sun is shining, and it's just the sun's kind of rising uh, behind this this mountain scene. You know, and and it just, I mean, it's an inspiring scene, no doubt, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it just, it just led me into, I mean, really, uh, I mean, just an attitude of worship, like, like here I am I'm staring at this and I'm so little in, you know, in significance of what God has created and what God has done, you know, um, and, and really, you know, all things point back to him, the, the light of Christ, um, mm-hmm. all of his creation, all of his things that he's given us, we're called to offer back to him, um. And so yeah it really just you know it just points back I think to God the Father um, and and hopefully that's what all of my projects are um, just an offering
0: back nice to so you are the light refers to Christ and not that we are all light
6: um it, you know it's a it was a little bit of both uh, yeah. the camp that I was doing that week um, I was I was really trying to decipher a way to the the scripture um, about a city set on a mountain mm-hmm. Um and and just talking about how that Christ is the light, but that we are called to be the light of Christ yeah, to yeah. other people
2: um, yeah,
0: as absolutely. well. So
6: yeah, a little a little of both.
0: Good, okay, Josh. That's all the time we have. But thank you for for thank you for your music and for sharing it with us today. And uh, it's great to to finally have you on the show and to get to meet you.
6: Yeah, good to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Josh Blakesley's new album, You Are the Light, is available through Spirit & Song at spiritandsong.com. And you can also learn about Josh and his ministry at his website, joshblakesley.com. Here now is Josh with the title track of his album, You Are the Light. concludes this special edition of the salt and light hour remember to visit our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio thank you for listening i'm deacon pedro